Kevin McGill here. I hope you're enjoying the Nicholas & Company Audiobook Adventures series. If you would like to get a free ebook version of Nicholas & Company, The Merman and the Moon Forgotten, go to nicholasandco.com, N-I-K-O-L-A-S-A-N-D-C-O.com. Also, if you would like to buy the audiobook version of the Nicholas & Company Audio Adventure series, go to wherever audiobooks are sold. This is the Nicholas and Company Audio Adventures. Chapter 12 The Good Life Unattended baggage will be removed. The white zone is for loading and unloading only. The air conditioner grumble covered the soft shuffle of seven kids and one middle-aged man slinking their way through the empty halls of the private interplanetary shuttle station. Oh, Mr. Grand, sir, Caroline whispered. I meant to ask you, where will we live? Do you rent your own house? Yes, I own my own house. In fact, I own Oxbar Estates and all the property that resides therein, over 300 acres of land just outside of Huron. Does it have a dining room, like in the old movies? Yes, five to be exact, six floors, and a kitchen the size of a tavern. So, Brandy waved her hand, are there balls and dances and stuff? Coaches studded with diamonds, driven by a flock of geese, will escort you to the finest balls in the valley. Brandy grabbed Caroline's hand, trying not to squeal herself into a cardiac arrest. Now, I need to access one of the shuttles. Grand slipped out a green card. Kings will invite you to dinner, but janitors will get you into the storehouse. He raised his eyes, scanning for another familiar. Mason Interplanetary Shuttle, Gate B-15. Ah, there we are. Wait here by the counter now. Stay to the ground. Nick nodded. One more thing, Nicholas, Grant said. Yeah? Grand pointed a flashlight to a small obsidian stone. I'll need a co-pilot to activate the doorway while I fly the shuttle. May I entrust you with the Chronos Stone? Sure, Nick caught himself and whispered again. Sure, that's a good lad. I've written the spell on the piece of paper. Once the potion inside is released, it will mix with the sunlight and open the gate. Nick slipped the Chronos Stone into the pocket of his khaki shorts. This all struck him as crazy weird. A magical stone lay at the bottom of his pocket, among some tissues and an old pack of gum. But that wasn't the only strange feeling he was experiencing. It was there when Grand asked him to take the place as steward. Responsibility. That's something adults usually didn't associate with Nick, and they definitely didn't entrust him with powerful magic objects that could open a gateway through space and time. Maybe Nick should tell Grand about all of his misadventures that ended in explosions and fire. All right, need to see about overriding some passcodes to the shuttle. Stay on the ground. Grand moved into the shadows. Everyone else grunted to their knees and crawled blindly until they found a couple of service counters. Xanthus' hollow glasses clicked, flashing two red lights. He re-entered the world of Magigeddon. Careful, Haley, Tim said. The counter's right here just 10 feet in front of you. I know that is not your hand touching my hand, Haley warned. Uh, no, Tim cleared his throat. 
No, my hand is not touching your hand. I get it, Tim mumbled to himself. You're under the Nick spell. Excuse me? Haley scrunched her face. All of you are, Tim sneered. This has nothing to do with the Geneva virus and living in a big house. You guys are just under the let's do whatever Nick says because he's cool even if he tells us to cover ourselves in gasoline and run into a burning building spell. Might I remind everyone that Nick's ideas end in pain and death? Are you really going to follow him into crazy world because you think he's cool? Nick waited for someone to disagree because cool would be the stupidest reason to take a risk like this. All eyes moved away from Tim. See? That's what I thought. Hey! Haley snapped her head around. What? Shut up, Tim. She got up and sat next to Brandy. Nick heard those familiar motherly sounds of purple straps and flaps. Hey, Caroline. Hungry? Caroline said. Nick's eyes adjusted enough to see Caroline's maternal nod. Hungry? I'm a hormonally induced food receptacle. When am I not hungry? Nick smiled. Always with the smile, she opened her beige purse and fumbled through a jumble of pencils, notepads, and sewing kits. Nick was convinced that in the event of a plane crash, Caroline's bag could double as a flotation device. Peach, blueberry, or chocolate, Caroline said. Um, chocolate? Dark chocolate? Milk chocolate? Or white chocolate? Nick blinked. Hey, make sure there are plenty of options for the boys. Daniel really likes white chocolate when he's researching. Multigrain blueberry granola when he's thinking. And Xanthus, well, he just likes to eat. I bet you're a dark chocolate kind of boy. Yeah, love me some dark chocolate. Without even looking down, Caroline plunged her hands deep into the purse and retrieved a Mr. Goodcrunch dark chocolate bar. He grabbed the chocolate bar from her hand and tore into it. Thanks. Nick's salivary glands were already firing up. Tim's into Haley, isn't he? Nick thought about blowing off the question, but Caroline wasn't really asking. I hope he doesn't get hurt, Caroline said. Did you hear about the Christopher McAfee incident, Nicholas? Nick shook his head as the dark chocolate and caramel started to gum up in his teeth. Christopher McAfee lived in Perimeter 415. You know, back at the refugee camp? He liked Haley a lot, and I mean a lot. Wrote her a love ballad. Well, actually just played guitar champion for her and changed some of the words up. I think it was Stilica, wherever I may roam. His version was, my love is like the Colorado Superdome. She wasn't very kind to him at all, or the guitar for that matter, or the pavement. I think Tim is just trying to wait her out. You know, wear her down, Nick said choking down a thick piece of dark chocolate. Caroline didn't respond immediately. She gingerly peeled off the wrapper of a white chocolate bar and broke off a piece just big enough to fit between her fingers. You don't know her very well, do you, Nicholas? Sure I do, Nick said. People aren't that hard to understand. Haley hates love. Brandy loves fashion. Tim's a wuss. Daniel, evil scientist. Xanthus, dragon nerd. And you? Good cook. Pain flashed between Carolyn's horn-rimmed glasses. People aren't cutouts, you know. She closed her purse. Nick felt his stomach bottom out. I know, I just mean, sometimes we make everything too complicated, you know? Just keep it simple. Keep life simple. Why do you think I want to get out of here so bad? Anyway, Carolyn chose to abandon the line of conversation. I just don't want Tim to get hurt. Haley doesn't know how to let boys like her. I suspect that's why she's into martial arts, to keep boys away. We're from Seattle, you know, and our lives weren't much better before the refugee camp either. 
My father died in a boating accident when mom was pregnant with Brandy. I was too. I don't even remember him. I do remember all of mom's boyfriends though. Lots and lots of boyfriends. Coffee shop workers, restaurant managers, fishermen. I didn't mind them too much when they weren't drinking, but Haley, well, she hated them all. Hated mom for having them too. Always got into arguments, accusing mom of choosing her boyfriends over us. Mom said she needed the help, couldn't get through life alone. Mom and dad married straight out of high school. She won Miss Teen Washington that year, and it was the last job she ever had. Mom was very pretty, you know. They said I have her eyes. Carolyn paused. Um, nice ears. Nick guessed at the nonverbal cue. Thank you so much, Nicholas. Anyway, I made a mistake. I told Haley she looked just like Mom, that she was really pretty and would have all the boyfriends she ever needed. I was 12 then. She was 13. Haley was angry, and I think it made Brandy a little jealous too, which makes sense if you know Brandy. Anyway, Haley wouldn't talk to me for a month. It would have been longer, Nicholas, except that when Mom died of the virus, Caroline's voice trailed off. Hmm. She cleared her throat. Anyway, just a hint to Tim. Don't try to help her. Daniel waved, then pounded the floor. Everyone froze. A white glow moved from the ceiling to the floor. All heads turned to the counter, looking for the source. A holographic image of a middle-aged woman appeared, followed by a white, square box. Another nanny drone, Nick groaned. They did their best to shrivel into the plastic floor. Nick? The nanny drone said. Yeah? Nick said slowly. Due to a lack of concern for other life forms and a propensity toward violent behavior, I am administering the neural inhibitor, R5235. Oh, jeez. Nick pushed himself from the counter. Suddenly, the drone's head retreated. Where did it go? Brandy said. What'd you do, Nick? I don't know, Nick said. And I don't care. A warm drop of liquid plopped onto Nick's hand. Everyone's eyes moved back to the counter. The nanny drone's face returned, but its body was trapped between a row of canine teeth. The mouth unhinged and squeezed the drone down a pink gullet. Flashing red lights were the last to be seen. It was a skucka. Came the sound of its neck nostrils sniffing. The skucka extended its head over the counter. All three skuckas lifted to their hind legs, and their membrane crowns flicked out. The trackers found us, Grand yelled. To the shuttle! Grand had suddenly appeared holding a massive battle axe. Where did he get the battle axe from? Nick didn't know. But there were more pressing matters, like how fast could he make it to the shuttle while maintaining all bodily function? Everyone flung themselves through the door, down the steps, and onto the tarmac. There in the distance was a lone shuttle titled Mason. Nick charged ahead, reaching the stairway first, and flew up with his fist aimed for the access button. He punched the door open, but it responded back. Access denied. Access denied. Access denied. Keycard. Keycard. Grand has it. Nick turned back to the spaceport. On cue, 
Glass exploded, followed by a mass of trench coat and battle axe flying through the midnight air. Grand tumbled inches from the shuttle. He groaned and fell unconscious. Get the card! Grand's key card! It's green! Nick pointed at Grand. Haley and Xanthus were already trolling through his pockets. The scuckas fumbled through the new opening. Here! Haley pressed the card into Nick's shaking hand. He slid it into the key slot. Access granted. Welcome, Mr. Lyons. Get inside, now! Nick commanded. Hands grabbed for Grand and the axe. With much heaving and iron scraping, they rolled him through the hatchway and tumbled in themselves. Nick punched the door closed symbol. Several bulges punched from the outside of the door. The scuckas were ramming the hole. We need to call the police, Nick, Tim said, trying to catch his breath. Talon started to rake the hole, looking for any sign of weakness. Nick, Haley said, wiping Grand's blood off her cheek. What are we going to do? Nick, the police, Tim said. Nick scanned the shuttle. Fear was on everyone's face. As they listened to three monstrous freaks clawing at the hole, he looked down to his grandfather. He wasn't going to wake up anytime soon. Come on, Grand, Nick thought. What are we supposed to do? Police, Nick, Tim said. Suddenly, Nick understood. This was all on him. He got to his feet and looked to the front of the shuttle. Police, Nick, Tim repeated. Move, Nick pressed Tim to one side. Are you listening to me? Control panels lit at the presence of a human. Hello, welcome to Mason. The shuttle rocked. The control board was a dizzying array of gauges and lights. After a few scans, Nick found a hexagonal-shaped disc with a green light emanating from it. He pressed it. It blinked in red lights. Access denied. Retinal verification required. Next to the warning was a small circle one digital eye. Nick stood straight, wiping the sweat off his forehead. He looked back at Haley, and then Grand. She read his mind. They both picked up Grand by his massive shoulders and lifted him to the retinal scanner. It was strange handling his grandfather's head like some bearded football, but he didn't really have a choice. Nick pried an eyelid open, revealing an unfixed pupil. The retinal system began to scan. Welcome, Mr. Lyons, to the Mason Transworld Shuttle. Forgive me for asking, but you seem a bit peckish. Are you feeling well this evening? Ibuprofen, perhaps? Grand's chin bobbled to his chest. The scuckas continued to search for the hole's weakness. Nick, Tim yelled, are you listening to me? Grant's unconscious or worse. We're trapped. How are we getting out of here? Nick tried to subdue the small rise in his cheek, but it was mutinous. Hey, are you smiling? Tim said. What are you thinking, Nick? I have an idea, Nick said. Idea? What do you mean, idea? Tim took in the scene, playing out in front of him. No, I'm going to fly it. Nick shrugged. No, you're not. Seriously. Nick, you can't fly a space shuttle. It's easy, Nick said. I've played Maverick 7 like a hundred times. It's an exact replica of this. A video game? Tim said. You think you're qualified to fly a commercial space shuttle because you played a video game? Look, Nick said. Grand told me I was responsible for everyone. I have to do something. Tim smacked his head. Where does a 14-year-old flying a commercial shuttle fit into responsibility? Tell him, Daniel. This is insane. Yes, Daniel nodded. I would advise Nick to keep a safe distance from all technological devices. But in this particular situation, I am in full support. 
he has occurred many hours on Hollowbox, suggesting that he has the skills to fly the shuttle, but I'm not blindly optimistic. I would say there are strong chances that one of us will die. I would wager that it will be you, Tim. Your heightened fear in an emergency situation like this would lead you to make irrational decisions, and your motor skills are below average for a 14-year-old boy, not to mention you're wearing a red shirt. Hey, I'm a human being, not one of your statistics, you freak, Tim snapped. And what does the color of my shirt have to do with anything? Nick yelled over Tim. Maverick 7, anyone played? I need a co-pilot. I have. Xanthus sprung from his seat. Look, this is real. Tim banged on the cockpit ceiling. This isn't a video game or some crazy invention. This is a real GPS. That's real ion fuel gauge to real ion fuel. And we could all be blown to real blubbering smoldering pieces. Everyone yelled in unison. Shut up, Tim. What's your ranking? Nick said to Xanthus with both hands behind his back. Sir Sergeant General Fifth Class, sir. Xanthus held a salute. Level? Xanthus rocked to his knees, but held a salute. Sir Andromeda Mission, sir. You recognize the shuttle then, Sergeant? Nick nodded to the control panel. Sir, this is a Class C, twin ion engine, full interplanetary travel but limited interstellar. Stick is a little touchy, sir. All right, co-pilot Kobayashi, take a seat. Both boys sat down. Did you beat the Andromeda mission, Sergeant General Fifth Class? Tim said. Psh, dude, not any harder than the Belton level. The landing is always a little interesting. Again, I ask, did you beat it? Security, Xanthus called. Haley reached over and pulled Tim into a chokehold. <laughs> Let's go, Tim. No, 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 no! Tim's feet grabbed the doorframe, chairs, shuttle wall, Daniel. Caroline's whispery voice cut through the pandemonium. Nicholas? Yes, Caroline? Nick looked back. We're here because we trust you. Thanks. Yeah, said Haley, throwing Tim into the back row. Mom made me promise to look after my kid sisters, so no crashing and burning and screams of death, okay? Promise? Promise. Nick nodded and tapped the passenger door. We're all going to be dis- the closing door cut off Tim's cry of death. I got this, Nick nodded. I've beaten the Andromeda level twice. Really? Xanthus shouted. No way. No one beats Andromeda. I got a t-shirt that says it. I am now submitting your name to Perlock's Mythological Bestiary, 30th edition. Entry title, Epicness. Xanthus announced while punching several buttons. The shuttle began to slowly rise, pointing its nose skyward. The scuckas continued to hammer away at the hull. Nick looked to the perimeter cameras. The monsters were crawling around the body, trying to slip their talons into any available crack. All right, co-pilot Kobayashi, systems check complete. Complete, oh captain. The clamps. Xanthus had one hand on the seat and another reaching for a blue switch. He turned it and the clamps released, making the shuttle shift. All right, Nick announced. Starting initiation sequence now. 10, nine, Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Nick punched the blue launch button. The boys nodded to each other as the shuttle rumbled to life. A fiery orange skirted the window, setting off monstrous screams. The fire killed him? Nick said. No, just slows them down, Xanthus answered. The shuttle kicked and both boys squared their sights. The cockpit began to shake, making Nick's teeth rattle. Oh, man. Xanthus's flabby face was undergoing its own launch sequence. This is awesome. 
We have liftoff, Nick smiled. Within minutes, they broke through the great cloud in the GPS read five miles altitude. The panel flashed that the launch sequence would end in 15 seconds, a cue for Nick and Xanthus to take the controls. Almost forgot. Nick reached into his khaki pocket and pulled out Grand's chronostone. The key to the gateway. Nick put the stone onto his lap, leaned forward, and grabbed the control stick. It felt metallic and cold, nothing like the hollow box version. Nick pulled the stick back, but it kicked out of his grip. Hey! He put his hands up. A holographic man dressed in a captain's outfit sprung from the console. Welcome to your autopilot, Mr. Stuart Lyons. We already plotted the course, uploaded to your key card. Xanthus moaned. Autopilot. The computer displayed a green line arching from Earth to a white square. No, Nick yelled at the hologram. We're the pilots. We're supposed to fly it. I hate this planet. The shuttle turned a strong left, and toward the moon, the autopilot announced, Now, sit back, Mr. Lyons. Relax and enjoy one of your favorite singers from the 20th century, Tony Bennett. A holograph of Tony Bennett flickered on and began snapping to a beat. Xanthus said, look at those stars. Never been in space before. Hey, Nick? Yeah. Back at the church? Something weird happened when your grandpa punched the skeka. His eyes were all nuclear reactor blue. His hands, too. It's awesome. Grand calls it genus. We all get these mythic powers when we breathe moon air, Nick said. No way. Xanthus's salami arms punched the air. I know, right? Nick said. Don't tease me like that. Are you serious? I'm not kidding. And your Jinus is supposed to reflect who you are or something. It's gonna be fun on the other side. Totally agree. Seriously, those are a lot of stars. Hey, bet I'll get that power where I soak up everyone else's power, but I won't be a villain or nothing. I'll just be like the sorcerer general over a legion of magical creatures. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Hey dude, 10 minutes, 12 seconds to vector. Are we supposed to do something? Yeah, Nick said. Grand gave me a key, but just give me another minute. I need to catch my breath. It's the good life to be free and explore the unknown. Tony crooned away while the sun's rays escorted them spaceward. Nick glanced at the perimeter camera. The American continent was completely shrouded by the cloud cover. But more importantly, the scuckas started to slip from the hole. The first two peeled off, and the third was dragged down until it was enveloped by the rocket fire. Nick's chest deflated, and he said, They're gone. He grinned, had to hand it to himself. They launched the shuttle, managed to get away from the monsters, and no one got hurt, for the most part. Even if the autopilot took away all the fun, at least they made it off Earth. Then it hit him. He looked back at Earth and smiled. I got away, and it really wasn't all that complicated, Nick thought. See, Caroline, life can be simple. Just keep it simple. Oh, the good life, Tony sang on. Let's you hide the sadness you feel. Forgive the interruption. Tony Bennett was replaced by the autopilot. An uninvited passenger has been detected on the hull. 
The skucka head butted the cockpit window. Whoa! The boys sat up. The skucka's talons anchored into the shuttle, letting it study the two boys. It looked to Nick, to Xanthus, and then back to Nick again. The glass fractured, sending a white thread across the cockpit view. Dude, I can't breathe out here, Nick said. This is outer space! I know, I know. Xanthus quickly flipped through his bestiary. A dozen more threads shot across the glass. It doesn't breathe oxygen. Xanthus held up the bestiary. It lives on scent. What do you mean, scent? You have to have oxygen to breathe scent. Nick's cockpit view was a net of fractured glass. Asteroid repellent. Nick pointed to Xanthus's console. It was common for smaller asteroids and space junk to cross paths with interplanetary shuttles. Right! Xanthus grabbed the asteroid repellent trigger and squeezed. The gun kicked. There was no sound, just a flash of light, and the scuck spinning into the inky void. The vector sign flashed. 53 seconds. Uh, 53 seconds, dude, Xanthus said. Where is that gate? The key! Nick almost forgot. In my lap! Nick picked up the chronostone and pulled out a piece of paper. Oops, Nick said, holding up the spell, which had something wrapped around a stray piece of gum. Xanthus buried his face in his hands. Don't worry, I got it. Nick pulled the piece of paper apart, stretching the gum with it. The spell was partially hidden by chewing gum. Pat? Nick started to pull his bits of gum off the paper. Pat? 42, 41, 40. Xanthus's voice quivered. A piece tore with the gum. Pata. Nick tried to reattach the ripped piece. Pata who? Pata who? Pata who? Nick grabbed the stone and shouted, Pata who? The chronostone quaked in his hands and began to burn. Nick dropped it. The stone vibrated, hesitated momentarily, and then glass shattered from within. The cockpit filled with hot yellow light. Nick cupped his hands around his face to try to see past the webbed glass. Nothing changed. Do you see anything out there? Nick said. No, dude, Xanthus said. No expanding vortex? No epic magical gate? Nothing? Come on, Grand. Nick groaned. Nick, Xanthus said. Grandpa's nuts, isn't he? We're dead. We're all dead. The navigation system says we can't go back now. Not enough fuel. I never even got to kiss Caroline on the mouth. Nick turned slowly to Xanthus. What? I know you guys think I'm a child prodigy of mythological creatures, but I need love too, you know? Nick's eyes fell on the trash chute just below Xanthus's leg. Wait a second, Nick said. These shuttles are lined with a UV shield. Grand said the stone interacted with solar light. We have to get the stone outside. The chute slid open at the presence of Nick's hand, and he shoved the chronostone down. They heard rocks scraping through the garbage chute. Metal screamed, and the chute kicked from the rear. The stone was free. A reddish wave rolled over the shuttle. Whoa, Xanthus said. That's a good sign, right? Haley's voice crackled over the intercom. It's the gateway. Strap yourselves in. A shimmering pocket materialized into a bright, conical object. Its walls were lined with thousands of red stones spinning into a magma center. For all Nick knew, the gateway was the building block of the universe, ready to crush the ship into light and heat that we're about to find out. Here we go, someone said over the intercom. Tony Bennett extended his hands.
Kevin McGill here. I hope you're enjoying the Nicholas and Company audiobook adventures series. If you would like to get a free ebook version of Nicholas and Company, The Merman and the Moon Forgotten, go to nicholasandco.com, N-I-K-O-L-A-S-A-N-D-C-O.com. Also, if you would like to buy the audiobook version of the Nicholas and Company audio adventure series, go to wherever audiobooks are sold.